I'm Kate Daniels. It is a privilege to have this journalist join us. Eric Vance is an award-winning science writer. He graduated with a degree in biology, became an educator, and then an environmental consultant. Then he discovered a passion for journalism and has spent more than a decade telling, writing, science-based profiles of inspiring, dedicated, or controversial figures in society in numerous magazines such as Harper's, The New York Times, and National Geographic, among others. He joins us this morning with his new book, Suggestible You. Eric Vance, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Kate. And thank you for your talents and for using them to enlighten and educate all of us. Because as a science journalist, you have a really important storytelling ability, I feel, which comes across so strongly in your new book, Suggestible You, that when we're dealing with the brain, and we could think of that as being something so challenging, you put across all these wonderful stories that really, you know, just capture us and make it all make so much sense. Well, thank you very much. That's very sweet of you to say. Um, You know, it's important for me to say I'm not a scientist. You know, I don't do this research, but, uh, you know, I'm a science writer, and and it's my job to sort of bring these things to life and to find the characters that will tell these stories. And and I try to do that in the book because I I don't bring the expertise of decades of research, Um, but I do, you know, I try to bring some some hard work and and, uh, and sort of hitting the pavement, finding people who can help me um, tell these stories. Well, perhaps that's it. As with your science education, you know how to navigate these particular pathways and get to the people who are the ones doing the research so then you can convey it to us in this very readable way. Well, thank you very much. That's really sweet. Well, you're welcome because that's just the way... It, it truly is. And this particularly is so fascinating. Suggestible you is just what it says that we need to just be so aware, if we already aren't, as to how suggestible our brains are and to realize how to make that really work constructively for us. Uh, so that's a big part of it, isn't it, Eric? It is. You know, it's... Um, it's uh, um, I was very interested in, in a lot of the themes... Um, that I talk about in the book, I talk about uh, placebos, I talk about uh, hypnosis and, and false memories, and these are all sort of, um, in, in, in turn of sort of tie them together into a, a framework. Um, and all of these um, different parts of science and, and, and parts of the brain um, are, uh, you know, they've been overlooked in, in, in one form or another for many, many years in their own way. And, um, but they all deal with a, a, a certain form of suggestion, or, or you might even say gullibility. And I, I really, I got really fascinated with that word, like gullible, and, and how we see um, our own suggestion. And for you know, many, many years, it, you know, you think of someone who responds to a placebo. You, they take a pill, or they they have some sort of ceremony they do, and they feel better afterwards. And you kind of, you know, you kind of look down on them, you know, there's kind of this, this habit we have to think that, oh, they've, you know, they sort of were suckers. And, uh, and the same thing with hypnosis, you know, if you're hypnotizable, there's somehow you're, you're weak. Uh, and and what, what I found is that uh, actually these things are, are almost talents. There's, you know, for a lot of people, this can bring a lot of relief. And I was very surprised by this. I didn't think that's what I would come up with. But at the end of the day, if you have an ability to change your body through your mental state, 
well, that's that's a pretty good thing, and uh, and and you you end up with this whole suite of um, uh, of therapies that you can use. You just have to be careful with a, and I lay out a few rules. You just have to be careful not to uh, not to get caught up and and and, and hurt yourself. But uh, but you know, given given some limitations, uh, it's a pretty interesting way to manage your health. Absolutely. Well, that is part of the subtitle of Suggestible You, the curious science of your brain's ability to deceive, transform, and heal. And actually, it was that healing part of it that really initially captured my interest because, uh, well, you even state uh, in the book uh, how much money, billions and billions of dollars are spent on all different kinds of therapies and pharmaceuticals for the health industry, and yet we're not like ultra healthy in this country. Well, it's interesting how how these things fit together. You know, I, I found myself spanning from sort of you know the alternative medicine and these uh, you know and, and sort of these really fringe ideas all the way over to you know I ended up in the jungle talking to uh, witch doctors and, and and trying to find out you know how they look at healing all the way to the you know the, sort of the halls of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the. In the world, and they all have sort of these similar, either problems or opportunities that they take advantage of, which is our own suggestibility, our own brains, you know, and, and how they get in the way of our of health. And and I don't know if we're necessarily let more or less healthy because of it, but it is a big problem, certainly for companies, because ever since the nineteen early nineteen sixties, in order for a drug to be uh, legal in the United States, it has to be proven to be more effective than a uh, than a placebo, than a, than a basically a, a, an inert pill. And this has turned out to be a very tall order, a very difficult thing for a lot of drugs, especially in a few key diseases or ailments. You, you know, when you think about uh, chronic pain, uh, you think about uh, um, depression, anxiety, irritable bowel syndrome, um, certain types of uh, uh, asthma and autoimmune diseases, and uh, and Parkinson's. All of these sort of uh, all of these venues end up becoming having unusually high placebo responses. And, and it turns out there's some very good reasons why that, that is, why, why those particular ailments uh, would have high placebo responses, other ones wouldn't. And, and understanding those rules, understanding how these things fit together, has, it's a fascinating, fascinating branch of science, but it's also really expensive because if you want to come up with a drug for any of these conditions, it's nearly impossible to prove if it works or not. And that's sort of between, you know, those sort of the halls of the pharmaceutical companies all the way to, you know, the, the witch doctors and the, the traditional shamans and people who often will, will also be focusing on those same conditions as a, as a part of their practice. You know, there's a lot that, you know, to watch out for and a lot, not a lot that we can learn from how these various people who have dedicated their lives to healing have to contend with our own brains. And this whole area around the placebos, and you give us so many different experiences and stories, so we can't go into all of that. And of course, Suggestible You has that. You have your own copy. You'll get to really uh, embrace those stories. But it is fascinating how the placebo works. And there's a part of it then to understand that it is working with some people, how to then really see it working in our own lives and how we go about our own uh, personal well-being. Well, yeah. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, I came to this, uh, this subject through kind of a weird direction. I, I was actually raised in, in Christian science, uh, so I didn't, I didn't go to a doctor 
for the first time until uh, until I was 18 years old. Um, and I know I no longer practice. I sort of you know uh, I, I got into science and I got into science writing and, and I sort of you know found a, a very different life path. But I was always sort of very curious about what uh, what I had seen as a kid. You know the, the, these these healing experiences that. Um, I mean, you, and you really can't deny that these things happen. Uh, and my question, you know, I mean, you, you see people having, you know, having pain go away or having, you know, various diseases sort of uh, just disappear on their own, and you and you wonder what, you know, what's driving that. Um, you know, I, I, leaving aside the religious uh, element of it, um, you know, could there be something in our brains that that um, that allow this to happen? And, and and it turns out, and I saw a lot of. Um, a lot of parallels between my own childhood and, and the way that uh, the way that people um, across the world manage their own health, and um, and it is you know it is for many people and for some conditions that you know this is sort of real healing. We're not um, we're not crazy, you know. As, as people, you know, if you go to a homeopath uh, and and uh, and and you you find relief there. Um, it can seem to someone who doesn't find relief at a homeopath like like you're a crazy person, <laughs> and like you know like you're uh, and, and and vice versa. You know, if you do if you have these experiences where you can you can engage your placebo effect, your placebos in your body, uh, and you see someone else who can't, it seems like they're just you know you know they must be nuts if this isn't working for them, and, and so there's a lot there's a real lack of communication between these two sides, uh, and you know certainly those charges have been leveled at, at my childhood religion as well. But what's interesting is that there is something going on, and uh, and and you know these, there are real chemicals, there are real drugs that our brain sort of keeps in stores. It's called the internal pharmacy, often as sort of a uh, the catchphrase people use that you know that there are there are uh, opioids and endocannabinoids and dopamine and serotonin and all these drugs that our brain has that are very effective to make us feel better or to to change sort of what we're seeing um, and the trick is just getting your brain to think that it needs to use them uh, it's called expectation you create expectation and um, and that uh, that seems to be what a lot of people around the world for thousands of years have 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 figured out how to to engage with, and so that was a real that was a real hard thing to sort of wrap my mind around this this idea that that um, that, uh, that these are real processes and, the, and these are measurable effects. And in the end of the day, you know, my question is, you know, okay, well, it's one thing to use these with inert pills, but is there a way? And, and there certainly is to combine the placebo effect or uh, even even hypnosis um, with uh, with active medication or with active treatments, you know, can can we get the both best of both worlds? And uh, and I think that it is possible. I think really good doctors do that, but um, but it's uh, but you can't really shake these things off and say, well, it, it's it's all in your head because it is all in your head. But uh, <laughs> but that in itself is a, it's a pretty amazing, powerful thing. Yes, there's it's there's a, a double side to that phrase. That's a great way to put it. Is it, it's all in your head, and and I think that that is um, when you were talking about doctors who are able to really address 
all sides or at least some of the sides of this would be the kind of a practitioner we'd want to be working with someone who's more open. But then again, it would start with us, isn't it? Being open and finding that kind of a person. Well, it's, um, this is, uh, this is, uh, uh, I think a challenge for, uh, for, uh, all medicine right now. Um, you know, we have so little time with doctors, uh, we have, um, you know, healthcare has become so much more of a, of a sort of a, a cookie cutter experience. And, um, and, you know, if you've only got a few minutes with a doctor, uh, and, and maybe they, they're worried about the next thing they're going to do, um, uh, we pick up on these subtle signals. This is the thing that, that, um, you know, that, that I talk about the theater of medicine, uh, there's a, there's a theater to medicine and, um, and it, and it comes from the subtle signals that are around us. Now that it could be, uh, it could be the white lab coat. Uh, it could be the stethoscope. Um, you know, the, <laughs> I, was, I always think it's funny you go to a doctor's office I and mean, so often you see these, you know, these, these diagrams of the human body right up on the wall, you know, like these posters with the, you know, all the muscles and everything. It's like, the doctor doesn't need that. It's not, he doesn't need to like check up and, and, and remind himself you know, where your tibia is. Like, he knows all that stuff. That, that's there for you as, as, a, you know, as a signal to say, like, this is a place where you're going to get healing. Um, and, uh, but other signals come from the doctor's behavior. You know? and, and I talked to a, um, a scientist who studies placebos, and that's her job. And she had a hard, she just has this really hard time um, uh, um, inducing them, getting someone to have a placebo effect. She'd give, she'd give someone a, a sugar pill, and they wouldn't feel better. And she had this assistant who was doing great. She was you know, giving out sugar pills, and everyone was feeling better. And, and this is her job. I mean, she was trying to study the placebo effect, and she couldn't <clears throat> get it to happen. So what she realized was, you know what, I need to think about how I'm interacting with my patients, with, 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 with these people I'm working with. How do I... You know, can I can I make more eye contact? Um, you know, should I? You know, I need to be more confident. I need to be more to the point. And she changed a lot of her bedside manner until she could elicit a placebo response. And I think this there's a huge lesson in here for doctors to uh, to realize that um, you know if you don't do that, you're throwing away a, a big part of the cure. And, and people will go and and find that somewhere else. Someone who can take time with them, someone who can, uh, you know, who can make them feel like they're getting care. And, and this is this is sort of the story of, of humanity. People have been doing this for thousands of years, finding, you know, finding that that theater of medicine wherever wherever uh, it feels right to them. And and so um, it's it's a hard it's a hard challenge to to think about how you know how doctors and I know many doctors I talk to they you know they want to do this you know they, they you know they, they want more time. The patient, they want to be able to engage these um, these uh, these subtle cues, these uh, you know these uh, this internal pharmacy. It's just it's hard for them to figure out how to do that. But I especially saw this in pain. You know, if you're suffering from chronic pain, a lot of the pain doctors I talk to, a lot of the pain scientists I talk to, they understand this better than anyone else because their uh, their targeted condition is is such a difficult. Uh, thing to treat, and it and it's so tied to expectation and and to belief, and um, and uh, you know I, I talked to one pain doctor who he tells his his patients you know the first thing he tells them is you know are you a lapsed Catholic or religious person you know before, before we start with you know this this 
this series of, of trials or series of uh, uh, you know, medications I'm going to give you. you, know, you maybe, maybe you want to try going back to church again. You know, just spend some time, find, find some areas of comfort uh, to sort of prepare yourself to feel better. And it's a, it's a, it's a weird and novel idea. And he's a, you know, he's a brilliant scientist who, who is comfortable enough to, himself enough to understand that he has you know, limitations. It's very hard to tap into people's expectations, uh, especially when they're suffering. And uh, and that was something that um, that really struck me. I didn't expect that. Uh, now, at the end of the day, you know, we do have to find solutions to these problems, and and some of those solutions might come through our own internal chemistry. And having had conversations with uh, some of the those who specialize in working with people who have chronic pain. They do stress that that there's just there is a limitation to what actual medications can do. That we do need to be receptive to other forms of dealing with the pain. Uh, so what you say is, uh, you know, just underscores that. I think, Eric. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I realized when I was working on this is that um, uh, there are rules at play here. There, there are, you know, there are. Um, there are uh, um, there there are sort of you know uh, chemical reactions going on that that really can help us understand when these things are appropriate and when they're not you know and if you look at something like cancer um, you know uh, cancer uh, many of the symptoms of cancer respond very well to placebos uh, to belief you know you think about pain you think about uh, the nausea and you know or the you know, some of the symptoms related to the, the treatments as well all of these things. Um, they respond very well to placebos, but the tumors themselves do not. Um, and so we have to be we have to be very uh, very you know sort of careful to understand sort of what role in our lives uh, um, uh, this expectation belief can can play. You know, it, it's not a great way to treat uh, um, a tumor. And and I've seen I talked to you know people and, and to doctors who've who've seen this firsthand and. and and it's tragic when someone, you know, who could have maybe been healed uh, through conventional medicine decides to rely on their, you know, their, their, uh, their mind for something that, that isn't appropriate. But where it is appropriate, you know, and when you think about, you know, the, the overwhelming number of people in, this, in the country who have chronic pain, um, this is where, uh, you know, doctors become a lot more humble about, about, uh, about their prospects. I, this one pain doctor told me, you know, he's lucky if he can... If he can help forty percent of his patients, you know, and he said, you know, if I was a baseball player, I'd be making millions. But for a doctor, that's not real great. Um, and so, uh, you have to, as a good doctor, you have to start interacting with the the internal chemistry of, of people and and trying to understand that you know sometimes pain isn't even in the in the extremity that it, that it that it feels like it's in. Sometimes it's, it originates in the in the brain, and then it just feels like it's in, say, your knee or your foot or your arm. Um, and, and we have to, you know, there, there's a, obviously it's good to understand how that works in the body and understand the, the science of it, but, uh, um, also to understand how to maybe approach that as a therapist. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we, we do go, um, in those cases, you know, uh, it's, it's worth it to experiment with other ways of, of healing, other ways of tapping into your own expectation. You know, what works for you? Do you... You know, are, are you fascinated by you know mysticism or you know some of the you know some of these uh, uh, other way you know other ways of sort of tapping into your own uh, expectation? 
Um, and uh, within, a, you know, and I lay out a few rules in the book in terms of you know, don't hurt yourself, don't ignore something that, that might be life threatening, and don't go broke. Don't. Yes. I talked to a number of people who, you know, lost their their savings chasing after you know therapies that, that were never going to work out. And the last one is you know, don't hurt the environment. You know, the, the way that you interact with your expectation or your belief involves, you know, endangered animals and things like that. It's maybe maybe there's other ways to go about it. But within those rules, there's a lot of room to try different alternative ways of, of just getting yourself to believe that healing is going to happen is it, essentially what we're talking about. It's, and you can see this in the laboratory. You know, I went to a lot of laboratories where, you know, you can trigger these expectations and, you know, completely make... A, level, a certain level of pain to disappear, like in in a moment. It, it's amazing when these placebo effects really kick in. You know, it, it you might as well be taking you know a shot of morphine. <laughs> and that is truly so incredible. Along with that, I've had this sense over time that when some of us are able to do that, that we have that placebo effect, we're able to deal with pain, it goes away, or some condition seems to go away. Someone else has something similar. It doesn't happen. There's a danger that, oh, you didn't believe strongly enough. There's something wrong with you. And I think that's a, a, that's a caution we have to have a, a, around each other. That's interesting to hear you say that. So you, you've experienced that firsthand? Well, essentially, yes. Huh. Um, that is a, a really great point. You know, uh, you know and, and we get into some of these ideas and we, and we wander off from, I think, the laboratory science and where the scientists feel comfortable, but it's certainly a place where I feel comfortable talking about it. Um, you know, this is something uh, that growing up in, uh, you know, in a community of faith healers, uh, I saw a lot. I saw a lot of times where someone would struggle with... Um, uh, uh, you know, one particular condition or another. I'm thinking of a, a case involving cataracts, and and just couldn't couldn't sort of you know bring on like mental healing, and and there's a lot of blame you know and or and self blame and um and uh, and uh, and confusion. It's just very very difficult thing to, to to deal with, and 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 understanding some of these rules I was talking about is really helpful. Understanding that you know there are certain realms in which the the mind can be powerful, but it also there's certain realms where they're not, where it's not, um, and then also understanding you know from one person to another, uh, there and we're just starting to get a glimpse of this, this in the sciences. We're just starting to see how there seems to be what they call you know, individual variability. There's 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 some people who may have sort of a talent for this or uh, may have access to these chemicals, and other people who don't. And it's very hard to talk to, you know, as I said before, it's very hard to, you know, to, to see the connection between these, these two, especially when, you know, when it's not working for you. Um, and uh, it can seem mystifying. And, and we're, still under, we're still wrapping our, our, our heads. There's some really great research out of Harvard and, uh, to understand uh, how, you know, how these chemicals not only work in your body but also work with each other. Work with uh, work with medicines you're already taking. Like all these things interact with each other, they're not working in a vacuum. And so, this I think in the future we're going to probably find that that this will explain a lot of you know, why these things work in one case and not in another, or in one person and not another. But it's in these communities it can be very hard to work on these on say like a, a chronic pain or maybe something like a cataract and not have it be effective. And it's very, uh, it's interesting you said it, because it can lead to a lot of self-doubt and problems. And I think that's why understanding the rules, understanding how this stuff works, 
can help guide us, you know, and, and when our brain can be useful and when it, you know, when it can't. It can only do so much, and, and knowing when to expect that kind of experience is really helpful, and I don't think cataracts is a really good example of when, uh, <laughs> when you yes. should, uh, you know, try to heal something with your mind. So all of these rules and the stories and a greater explanation is why I feel your new book, Suggestible You, is such a wonderful tool, if you will, to teach us, to expose us, if we've never really thought about this before, to become more aware that, uh, you know, it may be the first step in a longer line of exploration that goes on. But it's certainly for even someone who's already been practicing some of it, I think this is so enlightening to look at other areas of what you explored. Well, and thank you. And, you know, there's also, we haven't really talked about some of the other, there's a couple other areas like hypnosis, and I also talk about false memories, other types of suggestion that, you know, that can be both healing and in some cases very disturbing, you know, and, and there's a lot of different ways to think about suggestion and, and sort of the way that we think of reality. A, a brilliant scientist once said that, you know, you know, there's the information that comes from our body, and then there's the information that comes from our mind, and where those two things collide, that's reality as we experience it, you know, and sometimes they don't agree. You know, sometimes, you know, the, the things that our body's telling us doesn't agree with what our mind is telling us. And there's sort of this conflict in which everyone wins out. Well, that's, that's reality. And, and that's really at the heart of a lot of the book. You know, these questions about, you know, in case of false memories, what actually happened that day 10 years ago, um, you know, and, and in case of hypnosis, you know, what's actually the reality that's happening in your body while you're in, in, in a trance. Um, it, it, you know, sometimes we have to, uh, we have to cobble together uh, a number of different competing uh, ideas, and it's fascinating when that happens, what, what, uh, what comes out of it. Exactly. And fascinating is a good word because we're learning more about ourselves. We really begin to be open to how powerful our, our brains, our body really is. Yeah, it's, um, it's a, uh, um, it's, I think, it, and, 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 and we as readers, uh, I hope if you read the book, you know, you'll learn a lot of amazing uh, new things in it, but also, you know, as scientists, you know, I think science has only recently really started taking these things sort of seriously, and, um, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago when sort of placebos were sort of scoffed at as this sort of psychological, people sort of deluding themselves, and it's only been in the past couple decades where, you know, science has, has, has really been forced to take these things seriously, and, 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 and what we found is, is amazing and delightful, but uh, the scientists I spoke with, you know, they feel like they're just starting to dig in. They're just starting to get a hold of, you know, a, a really a wider truth, and we're going to be hearing a lot more about this in the coming years and decades as this work sort of catches up with what we should have been doing this whole time, which is looking at how belief and expectation can have dramatic impacts on our health and, and on the pharmaceutical industry and on all these things. And it's just, uh, you know, imagine the excitement you feel when you, you, know, you read the book and you learn about some of these things. And it feels like a whole world's opening up. Imagine how the scientists are feeling who are looking at this. And I think they're feeling very much the same way, that there is some great, great stuff coming around the corner. Oh, it is very, very exciting. And the book? Suggestible You is really quite fresh and new, so it's available at all of our favorite book sources, I believe, right? 
Yes, it is. Yeah, you go to suggestibleu.com and you can find links to Amazon and all and local booksellers and, and all that kind of thing. That and also some of the events that I'll be appearing at. Excellent. And also, one of the really fun things that's happening, an introduction or support to this, too, is that there's an article in National Geographic coming out with this. Yeah, so the publisher is, is National Geographic, and uh, and we were able to also do a, a big cover story for December issue. It's uh, it'll be out in the stands right now, and it looks at you know sort of summarizes some of these issues and looks at science of placebos and and, and belief and how these things interact, not just with health practices, but also with religion. Uh, and for me, this is this is at the heart of all of this is is the intersection of religion and health. And you know it's tricky at times, but uh, I think it's really important and really important question for us to start asking ourselves. Yes, indeed. Well, this is really fascinating. It's so part of ourselves. It's really a wonderful education. And I so appreciate the work that you are doing, that you've shared this with us, and that you have taken this time with us this morning, Eric Vance. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is great.